Hey MW, it's Melissa. And Stephanie Carcace, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women. And your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you. And we are thrilled to be on this journey together. What's your sign? It's a question we ask everyone we meet these days. And we admit we've Googled our horoscope a million times. But what if we told you that although astrology has a lot to do with how we understand ourselves and the world around us, there's more than being a Pisces or an Aries to help you understand life and people better. Daniel Beinstein is a psychological astrologer who helps her clients navigate the human experience through astrology. And she gives us an actionable way to help us find a deeper sense of awareness within ourselves. There were so many insightful moments on this episode, but here are some of our favorites. Ultimately, we are here to form bonds, to develop intimacy, to connect at a much deeper level. And so understanding the chart understands our personality and how all of our different quirks express themselves in human form. The thing about the comparison thing is that it's not ultimately in a loving space, it's in a competitive space. And we're here to kind of transcend that idea that it's all a race or it's all competition. This is the point of the discovery, the 20s and then the 30s, learning to build who you are, learning to discover who you are, going on the journey of life. Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. Danny Beinstein, we're so excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, we've been following you for, of course, of course. We've been following your work for quite some time. It was so funny when I told Steph that you were locked in the calendar, she like squealed. She was like, yes! (laughs) She was so excited. I was so excited. Stephanie is literally that person that walks into every restaurant room and says, what's your sign? That's her first question to everybody. I'm that annoying, stereotypical person, right? Everyone wants to say that like millennials love astrology and like, what's your sign is like the first date question. That's me. (laughs) I openly admit it. But I will be honest with you. Like, we are so, like, from a level of 1 to 10, we are at minus basic. Like, we our knowledge <laughs> in astrology is super basic. basic. <laughs> and I, and I, and this was what makes me excited because we know our community also, it's like we're intrigued about astrology, but we don't yeah. really know. So first I want to know, Danny, how did you even get into astrology? You know, I, the story that I kind of tell, because it's the it's it's the one that's the most just organic and true, is that when I was 19, so I think I was a college freshman because I turned, I was always old for my grade, so I turned 18 and a half, like just, just shy of my 19th birthday. And I was in a... I was in, I think, just like a Barnes and Noble down by NYU. There used to be one on Astor Place. I don't think it's there anymore. And I was just flipping through kind of the personal growth books. And I found this astrology section. And I was like, oh, look, I know I'm a Virgo, but a sun, but I don't really know. Like, what is this? It's this giant, you probably have seen it. You may own it. It's a giant book called The Birthday Book. It's a big blue book. And it is every birthday and then a description of the birthday. And I read my birthday and I was like, but this is bizarre. 
Like this <laughs> describes me to a T. And I was like, what is this? That Like, what is astrology? And that really started, that started my inquiry because I grew up in a really science-based, academic-based home. And I was always interested in something larger. Like my mom, who's a total atheist, although now a late in life is kind of shifting. She would say that she would take me to the Museum of Natural History or the Museum, you know, the Met. And I would always be like, I lived, I lived then. Wow, like I, wow. I was, I was alive then. Like I always had this idea that there was past lives. My mom was like, I don't know where you got that from because that didn't come from me. Like I always felt connected to there being you know, reincarnation, there being something larger. And then as I got older, I really, I was kind of a strange kid. I wasn't, I didn't really connect with my peers. I was really interested in the bigger questions in life. So kind of the social antics that a lot of adolescents experience. Like I just felt outside of all of that. And I was just very curious about why am I here? Why am I here? Um, and so I kind of brought those together once I discovered astrology and I just started to look at astrology through the perception of soul purpose and why am I here? And then why is, are other people here? And it kind of started from there. It wasn't like, I want to be an astrologer because I I kept it hidden for a really long time. Like I didn't tell anyone, but it's, it was always the thing that I was studying on the side in addition to my collegiate studies. Wow. And I just kind of kept going with it. And then my first job out of college, I worked at Scholastic. Um, <laughs> do you guys know that? Do you know yes, Scholastic? Yes, yep, an educational up. textbook totally. um, company. And so my boss there was really into astrology. And so I, I was able to talk about it with her. And then that just kind of, it just kind of stayed with me. And then 29, I decided to go back to school and get a master's in spiritual psychology. And then the very short, very edited version is that when I graduated that program, I combined my knowledge of astrology and started my offering. That's Spiritual amazing. psychology. Do you mind sharing where, where somebody could take a course like that? So actually, Columbia University has... A program like that. I'm not, I know people who have, who have attended it. I, I'm not super familiar with the program, but the program that I went to um, is called University of Santa Monica and they no longer offer masters, but that's, that's all, that's all they teach is their program in spiritual psychology. Now they just do certificate programs. The, the people who lead it are a married couple. They've been together, I think 40 something years. They've wow. been doing it um, since the year I was born, which is 1980 or maybe 1979, like right around there. And they've been teaching this one thing, which is combining psychological practices and with the spiritual context. So instead of the idea of pathology, like you are something and that's it, it's it, the soul has that experience so it can heal it, so it can move deeper into loving. So a b- it, big principles of the program are self-forgiveness empathy, unconditional loving, moving deeper and deeper into that space. So you're taught how to facilitate that within others. And then within yourself, you're your first kind of test case. And so I really loved it because it was so experiential and it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced, especially the sense of community. Because again, I grew up in this really kind of cutthroat academic world. And here was this place that was like truly based on loving. And I'd never experienced anything like that. And then I've always just been psychological in my approach. My parents used to take me to the theater all the time and then the cab ride home 
we would analyze the characters. I grew up reading so literature, cool. all from the perspective of who are these characters? How are they wired? Why are they doing what they're doing? Um, love of film, love of theater, all of that. So I just kind of brought it all together and created my own offering. That's amazing. Yeah. And I've, I've done some research on you and you're so smart. Like you've gotten like all, you've done all these different things. You went to NYU and I think you said your path was sort of to be a lawyer. You went into entertainment and you've kind of yeah. dabbled on different things, but ultimately you're a psychological astrologer. What exactly is that? I think it's fascinating, that title. Did you make it up by any chance? (laughs) I kind of did make it up. I mean, I don't don't know anyone else who calls themselves that. I kind of made it up. It just kind of flowed. I think one time I was doing a podcast and I was like, I think, I guess I'm a psychological astrologer. And I think it just stuck over the years. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't like, I'm like, I'm going to coin this phrase. I'm sure other people refer to themselves as that. I don't know. I just kind of came up with it, which is which is how this career has gone. It's been very, very organic. Um, So it's the idea that astrology is archetypes, right? So we're made up of different archetypes. And by archetypes, you know, it's sort of the essence of storytelling since the beginning of time, right? There's the king, there's the queen, there's the jester. Um, It's also kind of like the tarot. And all of these qualities that we carry within us, the hermit, you know, and how the eternal student, the magician, you know, how we work with all of these energies within us and all of the different signs, there are 12 zodiac signs, they represent different archetypes. And so we're made up of all of those because we're all part of human consciousness. We're all part of the collective consciousness, but we hold certain archetypes in greater proportion based on the energy of our chart. So when I'm working with a client, I'm always looking at their chart. So I'm looking at their natal chart, which is a snapshot of the sky the moment they were born and indicates their natal promise, like what, how they're wired, their patterning. I'll reference transit. So that's what's happening currently in the sky. And then I'll also, and how it's affecting the individual and then progress charts, which is our charts progress and we grow, our charts grow just like we grow. So I'll look at all of that and then combine that with my master's, my training, and then also my own intuition. Because when I look at a chart, I can't say to you, I'm going, this is directly because of this. I can, I can explain it in those terms, but there's something else that's happening that I can't, I can't chalk up solely to astrology. So I kind of, again, I kind of bring it all together. Um, but I was always the person, I was always the kid that was counseling the other kids when I went into the workforce. I was always counseling the CEO, the people that I worked with. It's just, it was just my default. So I just decided, well, instead of having a career and that being what I'm actually doing, why don't I just make a career based on what I'm actually doing? That's yes, so cool. that's so cool. You know, just simplify it. Actually, speaking of sense? simplifying it, <laughs> I would so so many questions. I think I can I can account for myself and many of us. Like as far as astrology, we kind of just stick to like the the horoscope behind a magazine, right? Like what's my right. birth sign, and that's like ultimately what you know, and it doesn't go much further than that. Um, you're talking about your natal chart, so. Can you explain to us kind of astrology in its entirety and as an individual that's very curious about astrology, like what would be the first steps in learning more about your natal chart and what is that exactly? Yeah. So a natal chart, again, is a snapshot of the sky the moment um, we're born. So the sun sign is how we shine in the world. It's our essence. 
And so if we're not expressing that, there's some degree of discordance happening within the soul. Um, but that's just a very small part of the chart. So there is the sun, which is how we shine in the world. The moon is incredibly, incredibly important. The moon is our emotional landscape and it's our needs. And so knowing the moon is especially important when it comes to understanding what we need in order to feel secure. Because there's kind of the, the spiritual context, which is that we are all souls having a human experience and that, you know, to seek security and certainty is, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in, in the truth because, um, not to get macabre, but we're all only here for a short time, depending, right? There's no, there's no staying here. So security and certainty is, is really a denial of death in a way. It's a denial of the unknown. It's a denial of um, that things are so much more multidimensional than we make them out to be, right? So the moon is super important though, because we're, we are humans having a human experience. We are souls having a human experience. So the human part of us needs that sense of security. So that can be found within the moon. And that also relates to relationship. Because the thing about relationship is that we have needs. You know, there's a lot of talk about um, it's really important to not be codependent and, you know, but then don't be counterdependent. Um, <laughs> and it's like, confusion. it gets really confusing. But ultimately, we are here to form bonds, to develop intimacy, to connect at a much deeper level. And so, you know, understanding the chart understands our personality and how all of our different quirks express themselves in human form. And the more we know about them, the more we can transcend them if need be, but we can also utilize them. So there's so many different aspects, right? The rising sign or also called the ascendant is our mask, but it's not a mask in terms of it's phony. It's just how we learn to navigate the world kind of like as our identity. Our Venus is how we attract, what our values are how we express feminine energy, the feminine energy that we're attracted to in others. Uh, our Mars is our masculine energy, how we go after what we want, how we hunt. Also the masculine energy that we are drawn to in another. So there's, you know, there's a lot to it. Our Mercury, which is super important, is our thought and communication because relationship is based on thought and communication. Right. My gosh. So, so every, yeah. So every p every part of the chart really is crucial to to our lives and would explain a lot of who we yeah. are, would you say? Yes. And then there's the aspects that one aspect of the chart is making to another. So for example, if someone has their sun conjunct Mercury, that means that they're tethered together. They're within 10 degrees. That means that their thought and communication is going to be embedded in their essence, right? That, that energy gets kind of, blends together. Whereas if the sun is square Mercury, there may be some tension between one's essence and their ability to communicate. Mm. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so, we're all so complex, right? Like the human, exactly. like each one of us exactly. is so complex. And, you know, with millennial women talk, a lot of our conversations, if not all, are really just to get us all into thinking and diving deeper into self-discovery, right? So what makes yeah. me so excited about astrology and just the natal chart of what you're explaining is that that can get us so much closer to actually discovering ourselves. Where is it that you would kind of direct someone if they were kind of looking more so like 
in their personality as far as like the lessons? Does it have anything? Is there anywhere in the yeah. in the natal chart that they can kind of figure out like the the qualities that they need to develop in themselves more in the self-discovery aspect? So those are two different things. The the karma or the lessons that you're talking about is evidenced in Saturn. Saturn is the hardships that we have, the things that we need to overcome or integrate and it, the qualities that we're meant to move into, that's our North Node. That's our, where our soul wants to go. But often that's very uncomfortable for people. It's out of their comfort zone. So around the age of 37, one has their North Node turn. You have one at 19, so we can start to feel that calling, but it really starts to ramp up at 37 where we feel called to move into these qualities that we had got whisper and we had received whisperings of. And it's related to the South Node, which is where the soul comes from. And the qualities that we're, are, are kind of like our foundation. We come with them. They're comfortable for us. And it's about moving into the opposite, which is the North Node, in order to self-realize. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. totally. And you know what was funny? Because we pulled our charts. We heard you on the Lacey Phillips podcast, which we also love her very much. <laughs> and you were talking about the sites that you guys use to look at the charts. And so we went to astro.com. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I'm a, I'm a Pisces, Aries, Sagittarius. Where's your moon, though? My moon is an Aries. But I was like, what uh, is Feisty. Yes. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> this is a really weird combination. I kind of got a little freaked out. But then I looked at the overall chart and I noticed about the houses and I said, what the heck do the houses yeah. even mean? And I have, a, I don't even have house 10 and that's career. And I'm like, but I have a career. Like no, it's no. just, it's all weird. You have a house. Everyone has all 12 houses. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so just to explain to the listeners, uh, natal card is made up of, it's a 360 degree circle. And it's divided into 12 houses, 12 pie slices. And everybody has all 12 houses. We just have energy focused in one area or another. Um, or sometimes it's splayed all around. Oh, interesting. So where the energy is located is allows us to understand better how the energy, how our planets um, and the signs are expressed or where they're expressed. Oh, interesting. So if I'm missing a house in the chart, that, that you're not just... missing a house. You just oh, don't okay. have planets in there. You can't miss a house. Okay. Everyone has a house. So don't worry. <laughs> We're not homeless. <laughs> it's not that you're missing that. It's just the energy isn't isn't there naturally. But tenth oh. house is also, you know, it's that sense of authority. It's the it's one of the two parents. There's kind of. Uh, some people believe the fourth house is related to the mother. Some people believe the, the father. Some people believe the 10th house, which is opposite, related to the mother or the father. But it's really the 10th house is like the external conditioning, whereas the fourth house is the psychological conditioning and foundation. But if you don't have energy in your 10th house, it doesn't mean you don't have a career. Because you, <laughs> you may have, for example, a lot of energy in your fifth house. I don't know. You may have energy in your fifth house. Fifth house is creative self-expression. So people have careers who have creative self-expression. The example that I give with this is that Julia Roberts, who's obviously a very, very, very well-known figure, she has a lot of energy below the horizon line, mm -hmm. which is actually the Northern Hemisphere, which is more introverted. And in her personal life, she's more introverted, right? She's not seeking the limelight, but she's one of the most famous actresses that have ever right. walked the earth. 
That's so interesting. So this idea that like you need 10th house energy in order to have a successful career is not true. Just like you don't need energy in your seventh house, Mm. which is the house of marriage and partnership in order to be married. I mean, how many clients come to me and are like, I don't have energy in my seventh house. I mean, I'm never going to get married. And I'm like, do you know how many clients I've had don't have energy in their seventh house when I'm married? So it's not, it's not that simple. Right. Oh, interesting. It's not a black or white kind of thing for sure. No, no. And that's where the intuition, that's where the, you know, that's where the psychological astuteness kind of comes in because I can just kind of feel from the client, you know, if they're employing the energy in their chart in a way that's useful to them or, or, or if they're using it against themselves. Yeah. Which is what so, I love most about you. Oh, <laughs> you know, I just really, there's so much about astrology out there. That's like a terrifying to people. Exactly. Um, you know, sometimes like I'll Google just randomly and I'll find like, Oh, you know, I think I read like, Oh, you have energy in your 12th house. That's like imprisonment and destruction. And it's like, no, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Not at all. And I just think that's just fear tactics because then people will, they'll go see someone. So I don't, I don't buy that. None of that is true. I mean, listen, life is challenging. You will not, we are not on this planet without hurdles. Right. right. And a lot of times on Instagram, you know, the, the issue, I love Instagram in many ways, but a lot of the things that it's wrought is, the, is a generation who doesn't think they're enough, who feels like everybody right. else is happy and they're missing out. And that's, it's not true. There is no, there is no time on this earth without, without hurdles because otherwise why would we be here? What would exactly. be the point? Where would be, the lessons come from? Exactly. Exactly. So this like idea of like, it's all just bliss. It's, it's not true. And also there's no self-esteem, deep self-esteem that's, that's, um, wrought from, from a life that's just easy. Mm-hmm. Right. How do we know there's no grist for the mill? It's like, how do we know our backbone, our character, our, uh, what we're made of without obstacles? Totally. So on the other side, like there's another flip side, which is like, oh, it's all bliss and roses. And like, no, we also wouldn't know our own power to self-heal if we didn't come up against things. So this idea, we, you know, it's not about, you know, connecting through our wounds. It's just the idea that we're all human beings. There are inescapable facts like birth and death, right? We all came in the same way. We're all going out. Yeah. So it's the recognition of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and what, what do you, okay. So I guess anybody or clients that you have worked with that have dealt with this, right. That have dealt with self-esteem and thinking like, why is everybody's life so much better than mine? How, how do you, what do you suggest? And then how do you kind of guide them to realize the realities of life? Well, the first thing is knowing that each individual soul has their own destiny and that they're on their path. And so the comparison thing is absurd because it's like we all have an individual syllabus, an individual curriculum. So to compare doesn't get us anywhere, right? And the self-esteem and the sense of empowerment really comes when we become stewards of our own soul, when we take personal responsibility for healing the wounds that we came into this lifetime with, that were re-traumatized through childhood or adolescent experiences. And then saying, my job is really to heal that and move deeper into loving. Because the thing about the comparison thing is that it's not ultimately in a loving space. It's in a competitive space. And 
we're here to kind of transcend that idea that it's all a race or it's all competition. Because we're not, we have animal within us, but we are not only animals. We have consciousness. Right, right, right. right. And I really believe like your generation and the next generation, like with Greta Thunberg, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. I mean, there's just an extraordinary thing that's happening with the younger generations um, saying this isn't working. And, you know, I really, there's an opportunity to really change the trajectory of history Mm. and move into a more loving space. Because I think the younger generations is like, how how much wealth is enough? Like at what point- Does it just become this game right. when there's no connection to the deeper purpose of living? And I think your generation and the, the younger generations are really spearheading a new way of existence. It's like, no, I'm sorry, boomers. This this didn't work. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Work. Absolutely. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that because we we are so driven in our work, uh, you know, with what we're doing millennial women that it is so purposeful driven where we've had conversations with other, you know, business mentors of saying, but how do we turn this into a business because obviously we have to, you know, uh, make a living, yeah. but we're so about the purpose that we quite frankly don't care about the money part of it. We're just like if we can have enough to survive, we're okay. <laughs> so I think that yeah. it's interesting that you're saying that because I um our generation does see that as saying yeah. to the baby boomers and beyond and saying this doesn't work for us we're not money we're not a money driven generation we're purpose driven no, exactly and I think like you said the younger ones after us oh my gosh they're even more purpose driven right. than, than us 100% and I definitely it's, think it's the perspective and how you see that right because a lot of people want to always shame younger generations but the truth is that a lot of kind of things that were built in society, even like when it comes to religion, like all these kind of structures put in place, like our generation, we, we see so many of our peers kind of like spearheading and and kind of challenging a lot of these institutions that were put in place for sure. Yeah. And that's, there's astrology behind that because on January 12th, we have something called the Saturn Pluto conjunction. And Pluto takes about 240 years to go around the Zodiac. Saturn takes 28 and a half years and they're meeting up in Capricorn, which is the sign of establishment and order and um, ancient wisdom as well. And so this new, this new thing is being born and there are mega Capricorns who were born around 89, right at the fall of the Berlin wall. Mm. Right. And so they, that they're coming of age, they're coming into their Saturn return just as this conjunction is occurring. And Everything that we're seeing in the news is reflected in this. Mm. The kind of breakdown of the old order. Yeah. Again, that's not working. The transparency that's coming out. And it's it's really remarkable. And in in many ways, I feel very blessed to be alive at this time yes. mm-hmm. to witness it because I, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary time. And those who cling to the old way of being, they will be left behind. I don't see I don't see how that's not possible because not to make this political but you you cannot have a sustainable loving world with the global income gap mm-hmm. that is our current reality. Like you just can't, you just can't. If everything is for profit and it's like basically a new creation or a feudal system that's unsustainable. Mm. So there is this whole shift that's coming and it's, it's evidence in astrology. And then the millennials and then this younger, they embody that. Wow. 
they're the like they're the living breathing incarnation of how that energy gets channeled so saturn and capricorn which have you know traditionally been seen as like achievement fear based are now being like what it's really is at its root it's like backbone mm, and wow. the other interesting thing is that capricorn because it's ruled by saturn and saturn is the structure has been related to kind of patriarchy and that's being shifted too as women millennial women are stepping out as a new kind of feminism not as trying to be men but being whoever they are and just letting that speak for itself and creating a new order that's you know that's more equal yes you oh are it's wow. not matriarchal you're so blowing my mind yeah. over here and it's just interesting it's also interesting, like if you look at if you look at like England, for example, like they they've had queens, they have the example of a woman being exalted, right? And so it's interesting that the two the two I was going to call them boys, but they're men now, <laughs> really married such powerful women, each in their own way, and that's um, and by that I mean the princes of England. Like there's something that's really interesting to me about England especially with what's happening now with Brexit, like they, whereas in America, we've always kind of had the patriarchy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's something interesting. I see that changing though. I mean, like even yes, just in relations, 100%. like, you know, I, I was with an, uh, a man that was much older than me. He was about mm -hmm. 21 years older than me. And that relationship was so different in every aspect to whereas when I date a guy my age or even younger, like millennials, it's yeah. just like this whole, and even like not only in personal love relationships, just in relationships in general, like the conversations that I have with an older man, like in their 40s, 50s, they, mm -hmm. it's completely different than the conversations we have with men our age nowadays. It's like you feel this equalness yeah. in our generation and younger, for sure. 100%. One, so you're speaking my language because before my current partner, all I dated was much older men oh um, gosh, for a myriad of reasons. And, <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because a lot of my, so I'm 39. A lot of my friends are actually late, for, mid to late 40s into early 50s. And I have one very close friend who has three children and their age. So one's in college and the, and the youngest one is in third grade. And she says that the, even the parents at her school between her middle child who is 13 and her youngest who is I think 10, like the parents, even of that generation, that three are, that gap are so different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the young, she says in the younger generation, she sees that the, all the dads get involved. And with the older kids, I'm sorry, I think he's 15, 14 or 15. But in the older kids, the dads don't get involved. Right. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's such mm -hmm. a And shift. there's something very interesting about that. Like the 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 level of involvement in parenthood and fatherhood for the younger I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule. I have a friend where I have a couple of friends actually where the woman is the breadwinner and the man takes care of the children. So who are older. But I'm saying generationally, even the younger guys, they're more involved. They'll help with housework. It's just a different philosophy than the older generation across the board. Totally. And I think that that's so interesting and how you're explaining that this 
kind of reveals itself through astrology. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of knew that yeah. a big change was coming. Speaking about changes, I kind of want to go back to what you were saying about Saturn returns because it is like <laughs> a very yeah. popular thing, I think, like amongst um, yeah. in our office because I, I know I'm going through my Saturn return next year. So I'm about to go through it. And my sister, you just ended? Um, no, not yet. But You're still I, in it. I'm still in it. I got it in 2017. And yeah. oh my gosh, when, uh -huh. when Steph did the calculation for me, she was like, was, when were you feeling it? This time I was like, yeah. And she was like, that was your Saturn return. <laughs> I like, totally, totally felt it. I really did. I will, We have to dive into this. Yes, let's dive into this. So explain to us a little bit about Saturn returns and in particular how it affects a woman. Um, oh, that's an interesting question. I've never been asked that. So Saturn return is when Saturn returns to the point it was at our birth. So that's usually 28 and a half years, usually happens at about 29. And it's a major point of maturation. It actually matches up with psychological development. So we age, seven-year markers are really important in psychological development. So seven is really you're in first grade, the first real separation. The idea is that the personality is developed by the age of seven. 14, obviously, adolescence kicks in. Yeah, There is that, um, that kind of breakaway from the parental structure. Then 21, it's like, you know, a lot of kids have gone on to college. They're out of the home. And by 28, psychologically, you're an adult. And that fits astrologically as well. Every seven years, there's a Saturn transit. Mm. So it's a big time where we feel the pressure of 30 coming on and all that means. But really what it is, is, oh my God, I'm an adult. I have to take personal responsibility for my life. So this is a point when a lot of people will make decisions that are so societally sanctioned, but not necessarily authentic um, because there's a fear base around the Saturn return. There's also a time when people feel they up-level they um, they will marry if they're not with the right person. They will separate or divorce if they've already gotten married. They may have their first child. They may they may advance in their career. They may choose a whole new career path. But if you look around, you will see it is a really really pivotal time period. Even before people knew about Saturn return, you can see it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, I can and attest to that <laughs> for sure. For a woman, it's especially interesting because the expectations of women have shifted. It's no longer like you need to get your MRS degree. I mean, not at all, right? It's like you, who are you going to be as a self-realized woman in the world? And so it's a different, it's a shift away from what it used to be, which is like, oh my God, if I'm not married by 30, which is, you know, basically the Gen X generation. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Definitely the boomer, like, oh my God, you know? I hear people who are, you know, in their 70s say, oh, my God, I had a kid at 30. It was late. And you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I know. No, I like, can't relate like, to a lot of that talk when like because I mean, just judging on on our parents, like my mom at my age already had two children. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I know. Really, like yeah. when my mom said that, when our mom said she got married at 21, I was like, what was she thinking? <laughs> I'm 31 and I'm not married yeah. yet. <laughs> right. But it's like, it was just, oh, that's just what you do. But 21, interesting, right? Because that's that's one of those Saturn markers. For yeah, sure. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. But it's like, you're not even fully in I mean, I think in terms of development of the brain, you're it does, your brain doesn't even become adult until 25. Mm, interesting. So you're still shifting 
And then obviously there's neuroplasticity and we can shift our neural pathways more and more. We're learning about that and the power of that. And that's profound and incredible. And so I'm also really about the the kind of quantum physics, all of that, the the energetics while still being present to the human experience. And I, I just always come back to like backbone yes, mm-hmm. and integrity because I think that we've also... We're, we've gone around the bend, right? Around this idea of like having moral conviction and having a sense, an ethical backbone, whatever that looks like to the individual. It's like we expect things to be easy to the point of, I think that's just why we've gotten to where we've gotten. Instead of saying like, what are the hard truths? And then building self-esteem from there and then trusting that abundance comes from that. Hmm. So you believe that backbone is kind of like what we as a generation, a need to be working on? I think it's what you have. Got it. Okay. And I think it's like it's stepping into it. Mm, so the bucking away from the boomer way of life, the listening in, the making decisions that feel more authentic. Right, right. right. To the soul path. Creating boundaries. You know, there's an – there. do you know the actress Juliana Margulies? She was on yes. ER. Yes, yeah. She was – She's older than you. So she, I think there were like, I don't even know how many seasons of ER. There must have been like 13. There were a lot of seasons. <laughs> but she was the major star. And when George Clooney left, I think they offered her $37 million to do an extra year alone. Wow. Without him. Because meaning his character had moved on and they were the, it was the love interest. And she turned it down. Wow. And wow. she said, I, why do I need that much money if I'm going to not, I need to be creatively fulfilled. And she went back to Broadway and she did Broadway. And then she ended up doing later, she ended up doing the good wife. And I'm sure making that plus more. It's like the idea. And I remember, I remember someone older saying to me, like, that's moronic. She should have just taken the money. Mm, right. And it's like, no, well, there was integrity. There was artistic integrity. Right. Mm-hmm. She'd been doing it for how many years? And I think in an interview, she's like, how much is enough? Like, I don't, what do I need $37 million for? Yeah. Yeah. There's something remarkable. And then she ended up doing incredibly well with the next show mm-hmm. on all fronts, creatively, financially. So there's something interesting. It's like, we live in a society that's all about consumption. Mm-hmm. And money, and I believe me, I grew up in I grew up in Manhattan. I, everyone I went to school with, everyone's dad was on Wall Street. Like I, you know, I grew up in the thick of it. But it's like, at what cost? Right. And so I believe that your generation, specifically, I'm like an exennial. I'm on the cusp, but your generation specifically is all about like, I need to have integrity at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and I need to feel like I'm doing something that matters. And I, I, I think that's unbelievable, and so. It's so humbling to me and so inspiring. And I think it's going to yield a whole new kind of abundance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like you're saying, like, I I feel, honestly, this is the greatest time to be alive. Like, and we talk about this a lot and we, you know, have our artistic backgrounds too. I'm like, it's never been even for artists. Like, this is the best time I feel to be living. And it's, um, my, our dad always used to say like, may you live in interesting times. And it definitely really is an interesting time. (laughs) You know, it's really, it's really interesting. It's super cool. I have a question for you. So I know you work with a lot of individuals. You have a lot of clientele. What are kind of like 
the main things that people come to you to look for? Is it like self-discovery? Is it like compatibility with romantic partnerships? Like what do you kind of see as being the main reason why people want to come to you? Purpose. Number one is purpose. Um, number two is, is relationship blocks, whether they're in a partnership or seeking a partnership, looking at what may be blocking. And it's also interesting because we live in a time, right, with social media and all this where it's like, there's this idea that people are disposable. Like, oh, I don't like those qualities, like onto the next. Instead of saying like, well, what are, you know, we're human beings. And actually the way that we're going to feel more fulfilled is deeper communication, Mm. deeper intimacy. Oh, wow. Yes. And so like looking at that, looking at how we've objectified the opposite sex um, and instead navigating and helping my clients move deeper into loving, you know, granted they're not in anything that's abusive or, or incredibly dysfunctional, but moving more into that loving state, recentering them into the truth of who they are. It's interesting. I have, I have different pockets. So I have the, certainly the type a alpha kind of client, a lot of lawyers, a lot of high achievers. I have a really strong segment of clients who come from very, very religious backgrounds and navigating their own belief system out of that, you know, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but kind of looking at what of their upbringing resonates and what doesn't. Right. Right. Um, then I have a large, because I'm in Los Angeles, I have a very strong, um, a lot of actors and actresses. So, you know, it, but it runs the gamut. And then I have a large sector of clients who are, you know, in their 40s, early 40s, late 40s, who focused on parenthood and now are saying like, well, where am I in all of this? Wow. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a section as well. And then you, but we also have another Saturn returns like in our mid age too as well, correct? At around 58. Okay. Yeah. Because it was funny. I was doing it with my mom and then I was like, wait, you're going to have another Saturn Returns, which makes sense as to like, she's kind of when you're talking about, you know, she was such a devoted mother and wife and just like a worker as well. Our mom was always running the office and running my father and running us. (laughs) And now she's kind of in this like space of like, well, you know, trying to get back in tune with herself and what she likes and what she loves and her purpose. And so it's so interesting. Like life is so interesting. And I think that that's the theme of this conversation. <laughs> interesting. When it co- I want to go back to romantic partnerships. Mm-hmm. Could you explain, like for somebody that's looking at their natal charts, both their partner and theirs, like where should they find compatibility? And is there certain like houses or I, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. It's, <laughs> it's layered and complex. You have to look at the two individuals first. You have to have a full understanding of these two individuals. Then it's synastry, so how the the charts overlap with one another. So where one sun falls in the other's chart, vice versa, the moon, Venus, et cetera. And then how, if there's any connection between the planets, between, and then there's a composite chart, which is a chart of the energy of the relationship itself. Mm. And how those individuals relate to that relationship. So for example, if you have two very independent minded individuals, but their composite chart has a lot of Scorpio in it, which is deep, deep entanglement and connection and closeness and intimacy, 
those clients may not, those individuals may not love the way that feels. Mm. And that's the energy of the relationship itself. So there's so many layers to it that it's hard to say, look, oh, I think you should just look at this. But really, if there's one thing, the moon, the moon, and then the seventh house and see if you're projecting that energy onto the other or you're owning it for yourself. Interesting. interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because we were I, before our conversation, we were just looking at our charts and looking at the Venus, right? Because the Venus, I think, yes. is for love. And um, just a little bit of backstory: I've been with my boyfriend since we were in high school for fourteen years. Oh. And so when I saw that, I guess we matched, or I, I forgot what it was that we. Oh wait, was it? I have a Aries, right? Well, I'm gonna ask Masia. I have an Aries in the Venus, and he's a Libra in the Venus, and supposedly that's like a match. I was like, oh, so we're gonna make it after all, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's first of all, I think that you've been together so long is a testament in and of itself. Yeah, but no, that's such a small piece. And then what happens is that people get really stuck on that. Oh my God, yeah. you know, we have a Venus conjunction, and then they wrap the whole relationship around that, and again that's not, that's it's just a piece. That's, so, that's too reductive. Yeah. Mm. But what I love the most yeah. about the chart is that there's so many aspects. It's super complex. And, you know, it's kind of what you're saying in the sense of like, that is such a small part. And maybe there's other areas, but in kind of like in a relationship mm-hmm. and even going back to what you're saying, how we are so easy to like, okay, bye. You know what I mean? Because that's just right. kind of like, Granted, if it's an abusive relationship, that should always be okay by. But if it's not and you're, you know, trying right. to, when you really reach this level of intimacy, there are kind of, it's very complex. And if you do want to reach yes. that level to somebody, it's mm-hmm. it takes work and understanding. And so, like, astrology can help us in understanding that, in understanding yes, our right. complexities. Yeah, because true spiritual partnership is seeing the individual in front of you and, you know, holding space for their own growth and vice versa, them holding space for your growth. And it's not all, believe me. I mean, I, you know, I, I, my partner or boyfriend is always like, could you just, could you just talk to me the way you talk to your clients? Like, just, just be like a little kinder. Because <laughs> he gets the, you know, I'm with clients all day and then right. I get, you know, more short with him. But that's why we're trying to move to Topanga because I that's think funny. that that's just going to calm my nervous system. And so he'll, he'll start to get the best of me again, just because living, you know, with the honking and the noises and it's like, I just need the more peace. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're all human, right? So it's, it's recognizing also our triggers and what we need. Like, for example, like I need more nature in order to feel calmer in order for my central nervous system to be optimal. And so it'll make me a better partner. But I, you know, and he's happy to do that too, because he's, he grew up in New Zealand and wants to be in nature. But, you know, just kind of in that recognizing what we need and then finding compromise within that and being able to articulate that, Mm -hmm. you know, say like, I need this, you know, I feel like you shamed, I feel like I had the experience of you shaming me and that didn't feel really good. So can we talk about that? You know, and that's, that's, being able to communicate at a very high level without reactivity. But that comes from understanding our triggers, which can be seen in the chart. And then also, you know, unfolding the childhood, unfolding, you know, what's present. And that's the deepening. It's like, oh, learning more and more and more about each other. That's the meat. That's like the, that's the, the grist for the mill. 
Yeah. Right. Self-discovery. It's it's so yeah. important. It's yeah. so important. No, and it's more than the chart like you were saying. It's like the chart is a, it's a great place to discover, but it's more than that. You really have to do a lot of internal work, mm-hmm. um, which I think is so. what's so great about you and what you do for work is that you kind of combine the the reality with the chart. So it's not just like, well, this is your, your horoscope and this is how your life's going to be. It's like, okay, yeah, well, no. this is a great place to start, but it's not everything. Right, right. Not at all. And I feel like, you know, the one thing that I really, that brings me the most fulfillment in my work is when I'm able to connect dots for my clients that were in their blind spots Mm. and kind of say, have you looked at maybe the idea that this came from this? And the the chart is the first way in, but then when we get more on, on a granular level on what's happening in the individual's life, like that's that's the psychological astuteness. That's the looking at the, at the interconnectedness of the psyche and how one thing that seems seemingly so, so far apart from another area of our life are actually operating out of the same core wound. Right. Exactly. No, that's amazing. I don't know if that was articulate, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're so grateful for people like you to help us all, you know, I mean, you better understand everything, better (laughs) understand and get us closer to our most authentic Mm -hmm. self. And I think that that's, um, that's so important and it's so beautiful. So we're so grateful to you. And I hate to cut this conversation short, but because I feel like I I, I have so many other questions, but we'll (laughs) talk. (laughs) I want um, to ask you, do you have any advice for a millennial woman currently listening to this episode and just kind of like embracing her own individuality and self-discovery? Yeah, I think don't, this may sound odd, but don't expect it to all come together right now. There's no, there wouldn't be the journey of a lifetime if it were all coming together right now. This is actually, this is the point of the discovery, the 20s and then the 30s, learning to build who you are, learning to discover who you are, going on the journey of life not being afraid to fall down, not being afraid to open the wrong door because there is so much wisdom inherent in, in false starts and in, in being confused and then, and then discovering who you are and you don't have to have the answers and, and it, it wouldn't be interesting if you didn't. Also, there's always hindsight. There's always perspective, right? One can always look backwards and see why things occurred that they did. But moving forward, when there's so much, when there's more life ahead of you than behind you, how on earth, you know, are you meant to have all the answers? Wow, that's powerful. I had never heard that before. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was a gem, yeah. honestly. Oh my gosh, Danielle, thank you so much. Thank you so so much. Oh this my has pleasure. Been an honor. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you want to learn more about Danielle, please visit daniellebeinstein.com. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Ladies, this helps us continue to bring powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. Do you want free and discounted resources? Then sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwomen.com because subscribers only get freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. We encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Kirkache.